Did you sleep with men for money and or perform sexual acts for money while married to the author? Yes, I did. Did you tell the author about the desire to engage in these acts prior to taking part in them? No, I did not. Did the author believe he and you were in a monogamous marriage while you engaged in the paid sexual acts with other men? Yes. Then shut the fuck up. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. from some writer's expo in, I don't know where it was. It might have been Chicago, but the writer, Rebecca Mackay, is from Chicago. She's a short story writer. Of course and she I is. Loved, yeah, and I loved this quote. I thought it was really, if you get drunk and you want to lie, you're a fiction writer. If you get drunk and you tell the truth, you're a memoirist, and if you get drunk and you want to lay on the hood of a car and look at the sky, you're a poet. And I thought, that's a fucking, that's, you know, because it's like, all right, so if, you know, if, if you're just getting hammered and what you want to do is exaggerate your world or just lie, tell lies, then yeah, mm-hmm. then, then that's what you do. Then, then yeah. your natural probability as a writer is to, is, to, is to write fiction. If you get drunk and you want to tell everybody your personal truth, well, then you're an essayist and a memoirist. Mm-hmm. And if you really don't want to put the work in, <laughs> then just appreciate the world for what it is. You get drunk and you're a poet. And I thought that, I just thought that was a really funny. Uh... <laughs> so she's saying that poets don't write. They just dream about, about writing or dream about the world or dream about outer space or whatever it is that they're, uh, yeah, is that, is that I, the I dig? Think... Is it a dig against I, poets? I, I actually don't think it's a dig against poets. I would argue. I mean, I have no idea. I don't, I don't have the context of the quote, but I thought I saw that quote and it made me laugh primarily because it, it's like, all right. So if you're a poet, yeah, you're it, the difference. The the difference between fiction and memoir uh, or essays is sort of like the number of words, the yeah. like the quantity of words to express your thought. And if you're a poet, you want to use. You want to you want to exert as little effort as possible to actually communicate your thought. So you use the fewest amount of words, and then it's like if you if you if you compare words to bricks, poets build like burial cairns, <laughs> and everybody else is trying to build houses. It's a real. I just thought it was a really interesting. Uh, I thought it was a great quote. No, I think yeah, it's it's, it's interesting, and I think that. Uh... I don't know that the that it's about number of words as much as it is about just, you know, in vino veritas. And, you know, yeah, if you get drunk and you want to lie. Yeah, I think, I think that's perfect. I, I really love that quote. I, I, mean, read, I, need, I, mean, I need a good buzz to write a bunch of nonsense shit that's, that becomes fiction. Yeah. Or, like, yeah. I'm going to get drunk to make it easier to uh, expel my, my truth. Yeah. Huh. 
And which would you say you are? I think the answer oh, is obvious, but I, I think I'm definitely uh, the guy who gets the drunk and gets drunk and wants to pass off the truth of his life and the wisdom of his experience. And that's the most obnoxious of the three. I find that that is the most obnoxious, and I realize that I am it is. that person. It I is. I am that person, and, and I and I gotta I gotta find ways to get away from that. Well, and you know, it's funny because like I I think that I'm I. I mean, shit, I haven't, you know, I, I, am I even a writer anymore? I feel like a writer, a recovering writer at this point, yes. you know, like <laughs> once a drunk, always a drunk, but you know, are you actively a drunk? Like once a writer, always a writer, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I came across a, I was fucking around on Instagram, you know, every now and again, I'll pop on Instagram. And I'll just scroll through to see just, you know. I don't engage with it much, but uh, but I came across a fucking moth ad for this, you know, the storytelling thing, and it was um, there were like four different memes, and it was Pedro Pascal as Joel from uh, uh, The Last of Us when he's I guess stabbed or something, and he's like. Ugh. Uh, and he's like gonna get hurt and it's like he's just getting hurt more and it's like when you see what is it when they when you put your when your story is perfect for the theme but they don't pull your name out of the bag or whatever uh, and the next one was like when you should have gotten more points or some sh- I don't just like the it's whole thing like... this self-aggrandizing annoying like why not me and oh poor me and I it's funny in that like yeah that's that's the feeling I get it because I've been to moths, and I, I'd never felt that, because every moth I went to, when I submitted my name, I got up. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to brag, I'm saying it's because I knew the host, and he, yes. you know. and he, and he would pull your name, yes. <laughs> because yes, everybody, here's the truth about the moth, it's all a bunch of fucking bullshit. It's well, all who you know. <laughs> Well, there's that, and and the fact that uh, like in Chicago when I was when I was hosting the moth, uh, I and then, you know, and I think I still think it was for, <laughs> it was for good reason. I think of course I it think was. My, I think my uh, my impetus to sort of curate that random draw pull a little bit. Part of it, a lot of it, had to do with the fact that uh, I recognized early on that it was just mostly you know, slightly drunk white guys and white girls. And I, and, and I couldn't get anybody that wasn't just sort of like a straight NPR white ass listener. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't get them to come to the show unless I sort of guaranteed to them that they would get up on stage. And so I would invite people of color. I would, I hate, I'm, I actually really hate that phrase, people of color. I think it's, I think it's a horrible phrase. Um, I would invite people that did not look like white and, you know, you know, yeah. and, and I would, and, and straight, I would invite them. But if I wanted them to, to actually show up, I had to tell them, yeah, I'm going to pull your name. And yeah. so I started to pull names. I started to curate that very, very gradually. And after a while, it was like, oh, David's coming. I'm just going to pull his name. Joe's here. Yeah, I'm going to pull his name. Yeah. Truman. Yeah, he's getting up on stage. Great. And it just kind of, I think the impetus, the, the rationale was sound. I think it became a little bit power hungry, I guess. I don't know how you want to put it. Well, I don't know. I just, Misguided. The, I mean, look, I mean, I mean, the, the, me- the memoir thing, like, you know, 
tell your story, get it out there. It's it's important for records, you know, if nothing else, for your family to know your history so they can tell stories about you when you're gone and all this other shit and understand where they came from. Hell, my first book is a loose memoir. Yeah, that's you exactly know, what it is. My second book is based on a true story. It's a I, loose memoir, yeah. yeah. I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I want to be it's, more it's, of a fiction some, writer. Um, yeah, I well, I, I do write some fiction, but it's not. Uh, well, speaking of, actually, yeah, uh, it's very you, interesting. You, your last book was a, a memoir. About half, yeah, it was a memoir with with a section of uh, probably. I would say it was the largest section of uh, of fiction that I was experiencing, sort of in real time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fun to write, and I wish I would write more of that kind of stuff. So I guess maybe I have to have some sort of trauma in my life to to, to motivate me to write fiction. <laughs> but you know, it, it's uh, it's it's a very interesting um, hearing people's reactions to this story, and it's very interesting because I've had to, uh, the the funniest thing about it is as people are reacting to it, I've had to go and pull the book off the shelf and kind of look through it. It's like I don't. It, it, did I say it that way? It's like Rory Zacker was like uh, his his uh, thumbnail review just in a text was like, yeah, I just read your book. I really liked it. Um, I I don't want to live, but I don't really want to. I don't want to die, but I don't re- I don't have a reason to live or whatever it was because I know how that feels. And then mm-hmm. I've got, you know, I've got one guy who's like, wow, that was a fucking brutal read. It was entertaining, but it was really brutal. Jesus Christ! I don't know who else could read this, you know. And it's you know, and I. But it, you, it, he, he had a lot to say about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the first, the very first review, it's five stars. It's uh, well, I appreciate the the five stars, but the very first and the, the, so far, my favorite single reaction to this book was Donnie Smith's. He show you know he sends me a picture that he has the book. He goes, I want to get my copy signed, and I said, Well, next time in L.A. And he goes, I don't want you to sign it. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, well, Oh my God, that's the best thing I ever heard. I wish I had a, a copy of the book with her signature on it. That's so funny. I mean, I'll, I will thing? be in Las Vegas um, in a couple of weeks. I could take yeah. a copy and. I could look her up on Craigslist or just, I don't know, stick my dick out on the side of the road and see if she shows up and then get her to sign it. I don't know. How do you, I, I, what's the bat, si- the bat signal to call, to call her over beats, to come and do God whatever God. the hell she does? Beats the shit out of me. Write a book about her. Um, the thing is, no, and, 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 and that was the thing. It's, she didn't review it on Amazon. She didn't review it on Barnes and Noble. You know? um, I thought this is months and months ago when I realized she was reading things like the ethical sluts guide to polyamory or bullshit like that, that I had to get <laughs> off Goodreads, you know, cause I, I, I really was just, was she Goodreads. reading that while you were married or reading that after the, after the divorce? Oh, Goodreads. No, the, the ethical slut. Um, that was after that was okay. why I was like, I said, so, yeah, she's reading a whole bunch of stuff. That's basically like books that tell you how awesome it is to be a prostitute. And that's and, fine. Let's just, be, again, let's be clear. There's nothing wrong with being a prostitute. Exactly. The crime here yes, is, the is the lying, lying and yes. yes, is the lying and the cheating and I, on your husband. That's the yes. crime. Yeah. And so anyway, uh, I, I thought I'd gotten rid of Goodreads. Apparently, I'd not deactivated it. And I got an email, and it was, I didn't marry a prostitute. Uh, five-star review. 
click to read. And I was like, fucking somebody gave me a five-star review. That's awesome. I click it, and it's, of course, she had written. And it it's not so much a review as it is uh, an opportunity to, because I've cut her off. She There's no way to communicate with me from her end. I'm, she's blocked from my phone, blocked from my email, blocked from my messages. I, don't, I have nothing to say to her, and I don't yeah. want to hear anything she has to say, but she took that opportunity. So anyway... I just, I just want to, I just want to cherry pick a couple things that I think are particularly funny. I'm about to star rating catfish this. I love this. I'm, I might get a t-shirt that says this, this <laughs> sad revenge porn filled revisionist history, bewilderingly judgmental, um, impotent kink, shame laden, sloppy mess of a collection that I have read prior and piecemeal off of a collective blog. I was censored from by this air quotes, author. Could you be encouraged to stay as far away from this unenlightening hunk of old, cold garbage as possible? You might save yourself some time and irritation. Let me stop you right there. Let's, let's, let's look at something real quick. Sure. Um, first of all, this is minor. This is nitpicky. But um, when, she, when she scare quotes author, she leaves the punctuation outside of the quotes should always be inside the quotes in the United States yeah. of America. That's how we do it. Anyway, we get to that later because in her review or in another part of the review, she mentions that she was a great editor. I just I just yeah. want to point out, it's, we all make mistakes. It's fine. Not a big deal. The other thing I want to point out is that she says, could you be encouraged to stay away far, far away from this unlightening hunk of old, cold garbage? As if old, cold garbage is a bad thing. Because here's a woman who brought how many Christmas gifts and dinners and brunches home to you that came from literal garbage cans that was actual, physical, undeniable, picture-in-the-dictionary garbage. So It's true. You I, know, had made that, I, I had made that connection. I'm glad you, you pointed that out. I hadn't even thought about that. There is a little hypocrisy uh, tossed in there. And that, um, she, was, she was a trash panda. And that was an adorable, yeah. cute, strange, For gross... A while. But kind of a cute thing until you realize, oh, no, that's not a cute trash panda. That's just a twisted gutter punk. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Anyway, she takes the opportunity. So basically, she just says it's shitty and takes a couple of pot shots at me, which is fine. Um, And then she writes straight from the, quote, horse's mouth. Ha ha. Of her joke. (laughs) comes a missive written in May of 2022. And I read it, and then I realized May of 2022, and she talks about the anniversary, which means it was probably written around May 12th, because mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. anniversary was the 12th. Um, it occurred to me that she was writing it like a week after we officially were divorced. Mm-hmm. And, and she was still... She, actually, she probably wasn't still living in the apartment because I was probably in Kansas, you know crying mm-hmm. on my mother's couch and feeling like my life had you know, been destroyed. So this was, it, she didn't even read the book when she wrote this. She didn't read most of the fiction when she wrote this. Right. But, but basically, and I'm not going to get into the specifics, but, uh, and you certainly can if you want. Um, it, it's sort of this letter to me, you know, in her way. And uh, she effectively admits and it's maybe the best gift she could have given me honestly i think you said that at one point um 
is that she basically admits that the entire marriage was a performance. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that she's been, I, I fired myself from a production spanning almost eight years from a part I became quite familiar with, performed multiple auditions for, and went on to play really extremely incredibly well, unquestionably the best of the previous actresses. My legacy to this day was never more crimped, crafted, and committed to print than by your hand hair director. So she basically says, yeah, I was kind of pretending the whole time. Which is, is fine. It's like, it, and that was the thing is it was sort of like, there's a part of, there's, there's a part, I, you know, I've, and I've watched enough fucking movies since all this happened about, you know, women who've, and men for that matter, who have cheated on their husbands and that kind of stuff and how sad they are and how apologetic. I got none of that. I got no sad. I got no apologetic. I got no contrite. I got no regret. Yeah. It was just like, I'm happy to be fucking free of this prison that apparently I put her in mm -hmm. and, 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 and there's a, there's a part of me, I guess there was always a part of me that's, you know, for even the last six to eight months, I've kind of, I guess, kind of hoped that there would be some contrition or at least regret that like, I did this terrible thing to you. I lied for two and a half years. Um, I feel really bad about it. Sorry. I do something like that. And I never seemed to get it. And the only way to get it was if I engaged with her, which I decided that I wasn't going to. So it was sort of yeah. like a hole sitting there. It's like, maybe she's feeling shitty about it. And I hope she does on some level, of course. or at least feels contrite. And this, this, this thing she wrote and, and then decided to put up online in a public way really <laughs> says that she was not contrite at all. Like no. there's, there's so much just fundamental disdain, uh, in this piece that I was just like, wow, she it's, really did kind of dis she was disgusted by me. And now yeah. she's going to kind of play the play. I was, I, that she, that I discarded her and that our art, I, I, it, it meant nothing. And it's like, wait a minute. So what you're saying is if I really loved you, if I'm, when I, when I was in love with you and I was telling you that I loved you on the daily basis, if I really loved you, right. For real <laughs> loved you <laughs> that, that I would have, I would have accepted the fact that you were fucking a dude for three years and you were a prostitute that I would say somehow I love you so much that this is cool with me. I'm yeah. going to make this work. And it's like, you got to be out of your fucking mind. Right. There's, and I love the, like, she calls you hair director. She, oh, yeah. she makes you German as if like, Oh, like <laughs> that you were living in a Nazi, you know, yeah. not, maybe not even Nazi, but just like super Germanic, like super structured and hard because, because she couldn't be polyamorous or you wouldn't let her be polyamorous. Well, I, I never even, we never, that's it never even was a discussion. We never had a discussion until about it was polyamory too late. until she'd been doing it for two. Yeah. Well, not even, that's the thing. Polyamory is let's have sex with other people. That's not what she did. <laughs> let's be honest. Yes, letter of the law, sex with other people. There's a difference between polyamory and I'm going to take $10 to give a random guy a blowjob. That's a very, <laughs> that's a very different sort of yeah. path to take. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, like, it wasn't discussed. It's not like she brought it up and it's like, I'm interested in doing this. And you were like, absolutely not. 
you belong to me. Yeah, which, no, I was never that guy. When it had it been brought up that way, would you have rejected the idea? Probably. Would you have been pissed about yeah. it? I don't know, but I don't think that you would have tried to control her. I think it would have been the same conversation that it was two years after it had already been happening, which is, yeah. I don't want to do that. And if you do, yeah. I guess we have, we're at a, a crossroads here. Yeah, and but that's she exactly also, how the conversation went. Yeah. Right. I like how she she writes it as if it's very um, <laughs> like Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera, you know, as if like <laughs> you're just two artists who just can't quite figure it out. And there's this fights and uh, and you were support. She was supporting your art, but she was the real artist and all this other. Like, I mean, there's some romance to that. You know, I. In a, but in, no. a, in a sort of thirteen-year-old, in a thirteen-year-old girl, I mean, way. Yeah. But here's here's the thing that really gets me is that she calls. I mean, out from the gate, she calls this revenge porn, and you know, I don't think of it as revenge porn, but I could see where the argument could be made. So, so I'm interested in it. Yeah. So wh- I, where's I, where's where's the line between revenge porn and memoir? Well, and this is what I'll say, because I thought about because you asked that question uh, when you first read it. And I, and I was like, well, is it revenge porn? OK, so let's take the, 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 those two concepts, which are both separate, but, you know, combined. Is it porn? No, I'm not. I don't get I don't get into the weeds. There's no like overtly sexual stuff in there. There's no you know, I mean, I, I, I don't. In fact, because I didn't want to know. Right. I didn't know, so I couldn't write the book. And the fiction is not sexual fiction. You know what I mean? It's not sexual fiction. It's really more emotional, emotionally raw kind of fiction. And this is the kind of metaphor that I'm going to go with for how I'm feeling at the time. But there was no, there was not, not a lot of sex in there. Right. Just, I mean, just, despite the fact that it's called "I Didn't Marry a Prostitute," <laughs> um, there's not a lot of sex in it. So, in terms of the porn thing. I, I don't actually say that in terms of the revenge thing, um, you know, it's one of the things I wrote is, uh, would you call Peter Benchley's Jaws revenge porn against the shark? I mean, because the thing is, the move, the, the book and the movie is not about the shark. It's about the people's reaction to the shark and it's and it's maniacal nature driven path of destruction it's really more about the people not the shark and in, if you read the book and I hope people do um, this book's not about her it's about me it's about my journey it's about me having the rug pulled out from under me in a, a in a spectacular absurdist way and kind of you know, that's why I included, you know, the first, I'm going to say the, the, the first set of essays are all written in Las Vegas while it was going on. The stories were all written in Las Vegas, like the first five weeks of the mm-hmm. reveal. Mm-hmm. And then the last couple of essays at the end were all written in Kansas. And it was sort of like, I really, what I decided was, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go through this experience and I'm going to write about it because that's what I do. Yeah. And I'm going to write about it in real time. And in terms of like, all right, what do I want people to take away when you compile it and put it in a book is this is this is what I went through. It yeah. has very it fundamentally has very little to do with her. But so I, I don't know 
I don't know if that fits the bill. And then the last piece is, did I, did I publish it out of revenge? I'm not going to lie. There was probably a little, maybe five to 7% sort of like, yeah, I hope she reads it and feels shitty. I mean, I'm sure. I I think there's 30, 30%. I think, I I think, and that's okay. That's That's okay. well, I, whether it's okay or you not, always, that's not you always, Living well is the best I revenge. You want your exes to see you walking title, down the street with your new pretty bow or pretty girl or whatever it, it is. The thing is, you have to remember, the book was not written as a book. The book was written as a series of stories and essays yeah. that were independent of the idea of a book. I think the title of the book was a little shitty. It was a little revengey. Um, but the book itself was not, you know, I mean, the title of the book was, uh, that was, you know, I, I, and I, I'm not, I will, I will be open and admit the title of the book was sort of like a slap at her. And I, and I don't mind. It's a good title. It's a great um, title. And, it's, it you know, fits the book. It's the journey of, the I didn't book. marry one, but I yeah, divorced one. I mean, that's but the I end. Divorced one. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think that part of it is a little revengey, <laughs> but I don't think the book itself is revengey at all. And I don't think publishing the book is revengey. I think publishing the book, because that was one of the things that I realized, because I did, I debated. I All right, and I will admit that maybe releasing it on Valentine's Day was a little revengey, you know, but I also thought that was just good marketing. Um, I mean, um, I, I, I don't uh, think the, the piece itself was revengey. I think the, the book is my way, and it really was, and I don't, you know, everybody's got their way, my way of kind of putting a nail in that coffin, kind of saying, all right, this thing happened to me and I either have to spend the rest of my life moping around because of it and, and regurgitating it in a way that, and that has been my process since I started writing as a writer, like as someone who wrote was, is me putting what I'm going through out in the world and sort of my perspectives on the world and here's what I'm doing. And it doesn't matter if anybody reads it. That's not, that's never kind of been my point. It's, I'm just going to, I'm going to use writing as a way to process my shit. Yeah. And as as a writer book, does. That's. Yeah. And this book is me processing my shit. So I don't think publishing it was, was porn. And I don't think it was revenge oriented, even though there might've been some pettiness in the title and the marketing. Well, according to, uh, to the Oxford dictionary, revenge porn is revealing or sexually explicit Images or videos of a person posted on the internet, typically by a former sexual partner, without the consent of the subject, and in order to cause him distress or embarrassment. So, first of all, uh, this—I mean, this isn't video or imagery. And her name is not in it. In any, her name's I not in it. Never mention her name. Well, but, yeah. but the other thing is, um, uh, you know, you, you wanted it to cause without the consent of the subject, and in order to cause him distress or embarrassment. She has written things out there before the book was published and now after the book was published on a book review <laughs> admitting to the behavior. Um, it's not untrue. I mean... I didn't lie. She, yeah, you didn't lie. Like, there's... It's... Th- this is what happened. and And it can't be an embarrassment for her because this is what she does... You know, and yeah, and has admitted to it's just I, 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 I don't get the angle. I guess the angle for her is just it's a very simple um, I'm not getting what I want and I'm going to stomp my feet about it. last night. Last night, Harry, 
my almost five-year-old son. Uh, it was eight o'clock at night and it was time for bed. And he didn't want to go to bed because he's five. And, uh, yeah. and he wasn't getting dessert because he didn't finish his dinner. And that's, you know. So, and Harry, like, dude, it's eight o'clock. We're done with dinner. Like, you're not eating dinner. <laughs> you're not fucking around eating dinner anymore. It's time for bed, dude. We got to go. This is the worst day of my entire life. That's what he said. And yeah. I, I thought about it for a minute. And it, it, it might have been because his life is pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah, and and but, and it's only five. It's only it's, five years long. So how yeah, many days? There's not a lot of yeah, sure. not a lot of days. Um, but I think that's what's happening with uh, with what's her face here is she wanted to not finish her dinner, to get her dessert, and stay up until midnight. Yeah. And by you saying, no, I don't want to be in a marriage with someone who I love, who doesn't love me back and wants to be fucking other people. And she went, but this is the worst day ever. I want all the things that I, that I want. And why can't I get them? And you're a, a German director who won't let me breathe or be myself. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's, it is. Well, it makes complete sense. It's just well, not it, very adult. It makes complete sense for a child. <laughs> yes. that's what, Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I mean, I. You know, I was texting you like the whole, um, <laughs> you know, her pitching her fit in a, in in the review, and my, <laughs> you know, Art. Well, let's talk about it then. Let's ask some questions. Did you sleep with men for money and or be- perform sexual acts for money while married to the author? Yes, I did. Did you tell the author about the desire to engage in these acts prior to taking part in them? N- no, I did not. Did the author believe he and you were in a monogamous marriage while you engaged in the paid sexual acts with other men? Yes. Then shut the fuck up. You're a liar, a cheat, and self-aggrandizing faux victim. Please return to your gutter punk hole, which is a great name for a band, by the way. Um, like, just... D- realize the reality that's beyond your reality, the one that the rest of us are living in. And just acknowledge it. And it's fine. You're fine. Go be a hooker. Go be, do, do whatever you want to do. Knock yourself out. Your Have job. a blast. You it's That's your life. Yeah. Totally fine. But try not to hurt people on your way down on whoever the guy is with the 10 bucks and the, the electric bike. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. It, well, one of the things, and, and I don't think we've talked about this, but she had a friend uh, that she knew in Chicago that uh, when she was uh, photographing pornography, not fucking dudes just like it was just erotica stills it was erotica yeah, yeah. erotica yeah um i mean one of my favorite stories and now in hindsight i go wow that was not uh, i it, it, it was funny at the time maybe funny years later but now with context yeah that was uh that was a that was a fucking that was like a, a greek prophesy you know was uh when we had our first at one point she was talking about her, her, you know, her, her, her photography and, and some of the pictures that she'd taken. And, you know, we'd already talked about all this stuff. And I, I was fine with it. I was, you know, but she wondered if it was all right if she put some of her pornographic photos from magazine spreads in the bathroom. Right. And I said, why not? What the fuck? And then we, then we ended up having a housewarming party. Uh-huh. And I remember, I remember Tyler Green coming out of the bathroom just white as a fucking sheet. I mean, just like like somebody had punched him in the nuts while he was peeing. And he was like, is, 
Don, Don. I said, yeah. He said, is that a, is, is that a picture of Dana being anally penetrated? I said, no, 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 no. She's the, 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 she's the one above taking a piss in a martini glass. And I think that's a really, that's really funny. However, with context, I go, oh, maybe that's not as funny as I used to think it was. It is. Um, but she had a friend <laughs> when she was doing those photos, when she was doing the, she had a friend, and that friend was a super free spirit, great woman. Um, she ended up coming to Vegas with her husband. Um, and, you know, we, we hung out with them uh, a number of times before actually her friend died. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that, that her friend was probably in her mid-50s. She's probably my age, maybe a little older. And she was just that free spirit. Mm-hmm. And she kind of just lived the life she wanted to and fucked whoever she wanted to. And her husband was this... He just always seemed sort of sad and sort of just there and yeah. and, and was there to cater to whatever her whims were. And, and, and when her friend died... Her husband just sort of just kind of, uh, you know, I mean, it was just like, yeah. it's like he had like all of the, the, the calcium in his physical spine had turned <laughs> to gelatin and he was just sort of like this hunched over sad guy. Yeah. And I think there's a part of her brain was that she thought that was the house she was building. Mm-hmm where she could just go and do whatever she wanted and be whoever she wanted to be. And then it was her husband's job to just sort of put up with it and sadly go about it, pay the bills and, and make dinner. And she just didn't marry the right guy. Boy, she had me worked. She was working on it. I was yeah. getting there. I, I mean, I really was, I was, I was on that road of just kind of being that Simpy, we talked about this. It was like when you were talking about debris. It's like, why don't you love me, dude? That was I. Yeah. I, I want to say the last, well, those two and a half years. It was just like, why are you so me? Why do you say shitty? Oh, and I was just a big fucking limp dick. And I was yeah. like, okay, okay. And I guess if you were married to a limp dick, maybe you'd go find some hard dick. I don't know. I don't. You well, know, that's, I, 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 and that's the twist of it. You know, is is they, we let them beat us down and question our, our, um, our capabilities, our value, our purpose. And we start to feel like shit. And that affects our, our emotional and sexual performance. And they're like, why do I want to be with this sad sack of, of, of limp you know, deep yeah, what, what some happened sad, to the alpha skin. male that I well, what yeah. happened to the alpha male that I was so into? Well, you happened to yeah. the alpha male you were into. You happened to that guy. Yeah, that's why that guy is now that guy, and uh, it, it goes back to not the. Uh, it's coming up the the episode which I sadly got completely shit faced, and I I have to admit I I. <laughs> Nothing is more painful for me than editing a podcast where I can hear myself getting progressively drunk. <laughs> it's just fucking embarrassing. But we did, uh, for the I Like to Watch podcast, we talked about uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. And there's a line, there's a line, and I think this is going to be my line, and I think I'm going to hold on to this. Uh, I don't know if I'm Jack Burton in the world, uh, although there's worse things to be. Uh, but at one point when Gracie Law is trying to say, are you just going to leave? Are you going to leave without kissing or all this kind of stuff? He says, ah, 
eventually I rub everybody the wrong way. Yeah. And then he leaves. And I'm like, yeah, I think yeah. I think that's going to become my mantra when mm-hmm. it comes to romantic relationships, is which is like, yeah, I'll dabble, but you know what? Eventually, I rub everybody the wrong way. I'm out of here. And it's like, yeah, I, I like that. I like I that. I said a version of that policy to my last serious girlfriend before I met Katie. And then three years later, I was still like, this is a bad idea. Let's, I don't, <laughs> you don't want to be with me. I try to get Katie to break up with me so many times. <laughs> there was one, I, I, I think it was like after Valentine's Day. She could tell the story better because I think I was a little liquored up. But like I walked Ouch. over to her house because she lived like just the other side of um, Division, like from where you were, you know. So. Yeah, yeah. And I walked over and I walked into her house and I was like, we got to break up. We're done with birthdays. We're done with holidays. We're done. Like there's no reason to stick together. <laughs> Let's just end it now. We got a good four months before my birthday. Fuck it. We don't need to be here anymore. This is a bad idea. It's all going to end terribly. You don't, you're not going to like me. I, I end up not liking me. It's fine. I'm saving you from yourself. I'm saving me from misery. Because it's not just that... I mean, like, you know, What's-Her-Face did some mean things. She lied to you for two and a half years, you know? Yeah. But I, I don't want this to... I don't think this is a... Oh, the women break us and they make us weak. Like, you know, it's not a beta male kind of like, oh, now I'm going to shoot yeah, a neither, school up because you have it coming. I mean, there is some yeah, give and take. Like, we make choices. Well, neither right. one of us is Jarrett King. So, uh, well, we, we make, yeah, that's not the take. We make choices along the way. I know that in, in my relationships that were harder than others, um, you know, I, I, I knew I knew better. And I was like, but I'm going to keep fighting the good fight. I'm, gonna, I'm making the choice to stick through this kind of bullshit because I want to fix it or overcome it or prove her wrong or, or I'm just too scared to leave. I mean, that was a big thing with Bree is that I, I stuck with it for a lot of it because I didn't want to have to find another place to live because I couldn't afford it. And I didn't yep. want to go live with my parents. And that's a choice I made. I stayed in that relationship and I took the shit because I, you know, for those reasons, it's, but yeah, I mean, they still, they don't make it easy sometimes when you're in a hateful relationship and look, men are, are, are capable of this too. This is, you know, there's plenty of, of stories where it's just, it's reversed and it's, it's not a women beat up men thing or a men beat up women thing. Emotionally, I'm speaking of, it's a, we beat each other up. People treat people like shit and, you know, you like to think that as soon as you find out that you're being treated like shit, you get the fuck out. And I think, Don, you did the right thing. Maybe you, to you, you should have done it sooner. In hindsight, I don't know. Um, no, I didn't know I, about all this it, shit. Like, when you is, told me about if, what happened, I was blown no. the fuck away. Because I had oh, yeah. no idea it was as hard. Things had been hard for you for as long as they well, had I was, been. I was, the thing about it is, is, is and that's the thing. Uh, she admits in this piece that she was playing a role pretty yeah. much from the get-go. And that I hurts. wasn't. That hurts. Well, I, that's the thing is, I wasn't playing a role. I did genuinely, you know, granted, we, you know, it was, it was kind of stupid to get engaged on our third date. It was kind of stupid <laughs> to get married four months later. I'm not going to argue that, I mean, that, that a lot of, you can, you can remove, you can misguided. remove the word kind of it. I mean, it was. It, it, it was stupid. <laughs> However, 
Um, I did genuinely love yeah. her. Um, and, and I was willing because I loved, because I said till death do us part, because I meant it when I said it and I meant it all the way up until I realized that, uh, that only works if both people feel that way. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it, you know, so, so would I have changed it? And I, the thing about it is that's what marriage is. That, that, I think that's what marriage has to be. And I'm, I'm certainly the least qualified person to hold court on what a successful marriage might be because I, I, I well, tried. But you also Dude, might not be. You might be the expert because you could say, and, look, here are three examples. Don't do of any how of it this. doesn't work. Yeah, don't do these things. <laughs> but, uh, you know, then I can look back and go, uh, no, would I... Do I wish she had not lied to me for two and a half years? Do I wish she had not had some sort of skank bassist boyfriend and lied to me about that? <laughs> Do I wish she had not fucked a guy in the back of a van for a hundred bucks and then proceeded to use the phone that I was paying for so that she could have a secret app to contact her many clients? Yeah, I wish none of that had happened. Mm -hmm. However, I was fully committed. So unless that did happen the way it was, I was still going to be in it because yeah. I was going to muscle through because that's who I am. I muscle mm -hmm. through. I'm going to mm -hmm. make it work no matter what. I don't. And I, yeah, there might be an element of fear to that. There's also an element of complete stubbornness. And, it's righteousness. Yeah, I know. And, I know and, that and, was a big and, thing with that girlfriend I had years ago was like, I'm I'm going to prove her wrong. I'm going to fix exactly. this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, you know, and her whole thing was like, you're just going to leave me anyway. And I'm like, I will never, but God, do I want to, but I will never. Yeah, the, oh and God, I want to so badly. That, that completely unearned <laughs> and unrealistic, uh, arrogance yeah. of yeah. my will is enough. And it's like, nah, that's not how it works as no. much as you'd love to believe it to be the case. That's not ever how it works. It's funny because, uh, and I'll talk about this a little bit. One of my six things. You know, but Will and Jada are back, are back in the news. Yes, they are. Thanks to, uh, thanks to Chris Rock's uh, live uh, comedy special on Netflix at last night, last, on Saturday. Yeah, which is, on, on the, on this, uh, at this recording, you watched it. I started to watch it and realized that I missed, I missed the first half of it because it was live. And I went, I'm not going to start in the middle. I have to start at the beginning. So I just paused it and I was like, I'll watch it tomorrow. Now, Warsack of the News. Hit me. Hit me with it. All right, your first Rorschach. Uh, you cannot hide Biden administration to go after scammers who stole billions in COVID relief. Um, I think they can hide because it's been a couple years and there's, you know, they're not. They're not in prison or in court for what they've done yet. So um, maybe you cannot hide any longer or we're going to find you. Ready or not, here we come would probably be a more accurate way of, of saying that. Fair. Number two, TikTok to limit under 18-year-old users to 60 minutes of screen time per day. Okay. Well, uh, but the thing I think is funny about it is that, that we, we pretty much acknowledge that, 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 that TikTok is a bad thing. It's probably, it's probably like the fucking balloons 
the Chinese balloons. It's an opportunity mm-hmm. to gather info on the American way of life, which is sad and pathetic in its own way. Um, but the thing I think is the most funny is that uh, the Biden administration, uh, they're looking for ways to ban TikTok like through legislation. Mm-hmm. And so TikTok's response is we're going to limit eight, you know, minors to 60 minutes of screen time, except that they're not actually going to. They're, they're basically going to make it so that parents can, which if parents could or gave a shit, they would they'd already be doing that. Yeah. So it's just sort of like a That's... very performative nonsense. Yeah. It... <sighs> I, 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 I hate to become one of those people that's like, well, the parents need to this and that, but, you know, I'm a parent now, and yeah. there's a lot of shit that rests on me to do the right thing, like limit my kid's screen time, or give him screen... Right now, he's upstairs, he came into bed at 6 a.m., he wanted to get he wanted us up, you know... And he wanted to play with us. And he's like, I want to watch some TV. Daddy, will you come watch some TV with me? And I'm like, yeah, baby, I'll be down there in a second. Why don't you go and start something? Which is like just a way to get him out. He knows how to turn the TV on. He knows how to yeah, browse yeah. and all that shit. And maybe I get an extra 15 minutes of, of quiet time. Of whatever, yeah. But he just, he just wanted to hang out and be with us. And we're like, fuck it. Just get the iPad here. Just watch something. Just, <laughs> just shut up. <laughs> you know, it's... Yep. yeah. Yep. Well, nothing's funnier to me about children is when you see this rash, and and it's only a rash because they're posting it, you wouldn't ordinarily see it, but there has been a number of videos of, like, pre-high school and high school students, like, either beating the shit out of each other or beating the (laughs) shit out of their teachers, you know, or going going into a Walmart and destroying displays and all this kind of stuff. And the funniest part about that is not that it's not that there's videos, it's that those videos are accompanied by people who are saying, well, if I was their parent, I would beat the shit out of them. Well, what you're doing right now is watching a citizen destroy property or beat mm-hmm. the shit out of a teacher, and you're standing there videotaping it. You're I'm yeah. not even taping it. You're you're making a video instead of intervening and say, Hey, you fucking thirteen year old, you don't get to do that shit. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm going to drag your and spank your ass. No, none of that. It's I want to put it on video because this is a problem. It's like, oh, fucking God, I hate that. I really despise. Speaking of uh, like, let's let's talk about it, but deny it and, and play games. The Wall Street Journal News exclusive lab leak. Most likely the origin of COVID-19 pandemic energy department now says. So if when, when anybody said that it was not a, it was a lab leak, they were shunned and called anti-China and racist and pro-Trump. But turns out it's pretty likely that it yeah. was just a, it was a law and order SVU, this FBI episode where the scientists in China were playing around with fucking God and it got out of the lab. I don't remember what I said exactly at the time, but I, I think, you know, I, I know that people that were like, Wuhan flu, Wuhan flu, like, that's a little racist. Okay, let's not do that. But we don't know exactly where this thing, like, that's the whole thing about science, that science takes time. It is not subjective. I think the problem with, you know, the reason that 
the left was like, you can't say that, that's racist, is because the idea was championed by Donald Trump. That's you know, it. Donald Trump, I'm... and yeah, and it was like, well, well, if he says it, then it must absolutely not be true because he lies about everything. And yeah, he's a fucking liar and he's a piece of shit. But every clock is right twice a day. Twice, yeah. <laughs> yep. You know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. no, I think no, I, I think what it needs is uh, just yeah, God, the fucking smugness of both sides. I'm so sick of, and I just, I, I, I just want the left to say, yeah, we were wrong. I want the Huff Post to run a goddamn headline that says, we were wrong. Sorry for freaking the fuck out too soon. Maybe we should go the way of uh, Buzz, not BuzzFeed. What was the one that Hulk Hogan killed? Oh, uh, Gawker. Gawker. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> Fucking Gawker. It's just, yeah, it's, if you're, uh, if you're, if you're so confident, if you're absolutely perfectly confident in what you're saying, you're, you're, you're probably, probably sh- you probably shouldn't be. Certainty, certainty is a cul-de-sac. Speaking of certainty in cul-de-sacs, according to Axios, Trump can now be sued by the police over the January 6th insurrection, the Department of Justice says. <laughs> Great. I'd love to see the police sue him. Well, what it means to me is that they're not going to hold him for any kind of criminal wrongdoing he is not going to be tried for criminal wrongdoing so the doj said as a a civil thing yeah as a as a here's 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 a little bit of red meat for the people that hate trump well we're not gonna we're not gonna go after him for criminal stuff but we acknowledge that the police can sue him donald trump might be the greatest criminal mind of our time i mean really like I'm sorry, alleged criminal mind of our time because he's not busted for anything. He's charged he's with almost never, everything. He's he's charged with everything. He has been busted for zero. God, I mean, good for him in that way. Like, you know, if you're going to do bad shit, don't get caught. That's the whole thing. That's the game. And he's winning. No, I think the answer is if you really want to, if you really want uh, uh, our... Uh, elected officials to be held accountable, then you have to have the dogmatic, angry, partisan rage of the Republicans to make that happen. Because Bill Clinton couldn't even get a blow job without having, <laughs> right? I mean, look at the shit Donald Trump's done. It's that the Democrats just don't have the fucking will or the spine to actually go after him. The Republicans get Ken well, Starr, they did impeach who's just twice. like a fucking... Well, they, they impeached him, but but that's the thing is, there's impeaching, and then and then there's fucking let's take you to court and fucking bust your ass. I mean, the thing about it was Trump has not once even gone on the record. He has never been deposed. Right. He won't be deposed. Fucking Clinton gets deposed as the president, and he's the at the time the current president mm-hmm. gets deposed. Lies about getting a blowjob, oh, and they God. fucking go crazy for that shit. It's just red meat. So I think that I think the lesson is, the Democrats need to fucking spine the fuck up and actually face the news and go for it. Because I got to tell you, otherwise, every Republican we're going to have more George Santos, we're going to have more Trumps. <laughs> they can lie their fucking asses off. Because what are we going to do? It's the thing about your kid. 
Yeah. If you say, if you just let the kid get away with it, eventually you've lost any standing. You are that simp going, but why don't you do the right thing, Donald? Why don't, why, why, you're the, why don't you be more present? Guess what? Ain't going to happen. Yeah. What you need is you need a, a, a hard authoritarian right wing slam to the nuts because otherwise <laughs> it ain't going to happen. And we just have to live with that. I think the Democrats try to do things the adult calm way. And I don't know. I think you need to do it the adult college student strident way. You know, like you, you yeah. can't you can't come at it like a grandparent, which is with, with calm and mm. hindsight and thoughtfulness. You need to be the college sophomore who is just like, this is the right way. And you need to match that Republican energy. You need to match that Marjorie Taylor Greene energy. See, actually, and the next piece, I will say that the college strident way really looks good. I mean, the let's go riot in the streets and let's have a million, three million women march. It looks good. It's great for optics. Makes you feel like you do. It's like recycling. You feel good about yourself, but doesn't actually solve the fucking problem because what we realize is that in studies, the gender pay because feminism's been around for a while, and I mean they've made some great strides, except that gender pay gap has barely budged in the last two decades. Yeah. That's the headline. I wonder why that is. Other than it's because we focus on on making noise rather than actually doing the, the, the unsexy work of actually legislating things. We make a lot of noise. We we you know we 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 have a lot of me too. We have a lot of. But can you legislate private? Bras. You can't legislate private. I mean, I guess you can yes, legislate you private businesses. Can. Yeah, that's what the that's what the federal unemployment the uh, that's what unemployment is. That's what uh, workers' compensation is. That's what the minimum yeah. wage is. ADA is and all that. Yeah, some, it's absolutely uh, something you can legislate. But they have never legislated it or really worked on it because it's just so much more interesting to be performative and get headlines. But it doesn't seem like that hard of a thing to do. I mean, they it's legislate not. all sorts of other shit. Why not this? Well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I well, really, I, I really I, don't understand it. Like, what is the reason as, to not legislate this? Especially as more women have come into the role... Um, come into Congress. Um, you know, we've men have become more progressive in the approach. You know, there's, I, I, it seems like a really stupid thing. Well, this is my theory and I'm going to jump into the next one too. Cause I think it's a, it's a, it's a counter example. Um, I used to say that the reason, I used to say, and I did, I said it many times is that the Republicans, it was never in the best interests of Republicans to uh, turn back Roe v. Wade. It was never in their interests to actually take away reproductive rights for women because it was their meat and it was their bread and butter. It was mm -hmm. how they fundraised. It was their one issue that they could fucking mobilize people. I think the reason that uh, women in general and men that, that agree with you know the feminist perspective, I think the reason they don't actually solve the problem because if they solve the problem, then they don't have something they can bitch about. They don't have something they can put in a mailer and say, give us money because this is still happening. And yeah. because 
to actually make things happen, you have to stop demonizing the people on the other side and you actually have to work together. Here is your next headline, your final headline, and it's very hopeful, how one city, it's an ABC News, how one city cut gun violence in half and may become a model around the country. I just want to give you a little bit of uh, a little bit of context on this one. Omaha, Nebraska. Now hmm. it's not a big not a big, you know, it's like oh, it's, but uh, you know, we talked I think last week about uh, the mass shooting and the guns and mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, in Omaha, Nebraska, uh, they had a, a huge for for Omaha, a huge gun problem. <laughs> there were there were uh, there were lots of people that were being shot and killed and, and gun violence and all this kind of stuff. Well, they instituted about 15 years ago uh, a thing called Omaha 360. Oh, yeah, an initiative started in 2009 by the Empowerment Network that involves nonprofits, neighborhood associations, churches, and local law enforcement. They dropped, they dro they've dropped their, it's almost... 300% drop in wow. gun deaths in their city. And what it is, is they have, I mean, it is, it's comprehensive, but the biggest thing about this drop, a biggest thing about it is they every week, really, they have a, a, a sort of like a, a forum of all of these thought leaders in their community working with the police department, with the police department mm -hmm. rather than against, mm -hmm. um, and they have these hour-long public forums with an update from the law enforcement. They, they talk about what's coming up in the next 10 days. They talk about issues they see coming. And, and if, you know, if the cops say, hey, this is something that's going to be a problem and we can't handle it, well, then the church groups step up and they say, okay, we'll be there. And it is the community all together working across the aisle, across ideology. This is a problem. We're all going to do everything we can to fix this problem together. And I think that's, that's really, that's maybe that's just me being a centrist, but that's the key is when we're working together, we actually solve problems. When we're demonizing one another, we're not solving problems. We're just making sure that everybody knows about them. Uh, yeah. What's the headline? <laughs> Sorry, I, I yeah, yeah I, was, uh, I apologize. That wasn't so much a Rorschach as it was a soapbox. How one city cut gun violence in half and may become a model around the country. Yeah, we'll follow it then. I mean, regardless of what the city is, regardless of how they did it, um, unless it's like really, and I'm not talking about the Fox News approach to restricting people's rights, unless it's really restricting people's rights, Follow that plan to eliminate gun violence in half. Cut it in half. I mean, and yeah, if, if, it, if it's part of it is working with law enforcement, which makes sense. You know, I mean, Chicago, we just had our mayoral election and um, Lightfoot is out. She did not make the runoff yep. because she's a spectacular failure um, and she is difficult to work with. Nobody likes her. That's pretty much true. And now we've got um, Paul Vallis, who is a, the cops love him, because he, yeah. was, he is the, we need more cops on the streets guy. And then you have Brandon Johnson, who was a defund the police guy. So very opposing uh, ways of looking at things. Now, of course, they both make the runoff. They immediately, as they should, and as always happens, the tone changes. They become more centrist. So... Um, 
I'm I voted for Brandon Johnson. I will continue to support Brandon Johnson. Um, and Brandon is saying, let's defund the police, and more of a refund. Which is, you know, what I say. Like, we need to refund. Which is what we've all, we need to do that's it better. That's what the whole thing was all about. Yeah. And that's hard to do, but you have to also have the police department that wants to work within the community and is willing to work with them. Yes, Harry. Talk about talk I, about getting the police in. I know. Can we get the police? Where's yes. Katie? Okay, you know how to work the TV. I'll be up there in just a few minutes, okay? <laughs> Well, go do it upstairs. <laughs> Why are you whining? It's what are you doing, honey? Let me finish the podcast. My mom's not letting me watch my mom up there. What is she making you watch? She wants to make me watch what's on right now, but I don't want to do that. Okay, first of all, <laughs> were you snuggling with Molly? No, I don't think so. Okay, because you smell kind of like the skunk. <laughs> All right, why don't we do this? Why don't you watch some TV down here? Okay. Or play with some toys down here. Look at all these cool toys. Daddy, can get your tablet because you know I'm not going back all the way up. Okay, I can't understand you when you're whining. I'm not going all the way back up. There. Oh, but you want me to go all the way back upstairs and yeah. I'm in the middle of recording a podcast? Because I'm all the way down here and I can't Well, where do you think I am? Up over two stair halls. You think I can walk through two stair halls? Yeah. Why? I know you can, but I can't. Why can I do it, but you can't? Because my legs always get tired on stairs. Well, maybe you need to do some more exercising and get your legs stronger. Why don't you go do some, some calisthenics? No. Do some squats. Do some chair, not, wall not, chair. That's not fun at all. That's, that's what I always do every single week. Mm, I've never seen you do that. Go do, do a, go do a wall I, chair thing. No, All right, well, get down. I'll be with you in a second, okay? Yes, I will in a minute. Right now. Not right now. Do it right now. Harrison. I told you I'm recording the podcast right now. I will be up there with you in a second, okay? <laughs> we will be back in just a moment. It's just, it's exactly like my marriage. God. <laughs> Honey. <laughs> I told you. While David's taking his child, uh, I will just say, yeah, that that reaction was very similar to many of my interactions with my third ex-wife, especially once we got to Vegas. Just sort of this, I want to do what I want to do, and I want you to do what I want to do, and whining and uh, joy. Oh, my fucking God. Okay. That's the best. I could, given our conversation, that's the single best thing it could possibly have happened. There were six things you should do this week.
My first thing this week uh, is a watch. It is watch Mark Marin's From Bleak to Dark. Uh, it is on HBO. It is his latest stand-up special. It is funny. It is dark, but it's it's great. And it is a great way of, of how you can take your trauma um, and turn it into therapeutic art that doesn't sound that isn't victim porn and and along those lines uh, yesterday i had a substack that came out called an extraordinary special kind of asshole because he made a comment in that is that he had two wives and no children and what kind of special kind of asshole do you have to be to have that yeah i realized oh mark you have cut me to the quick because i have three ex-wives and no children and in the piece i think you'll appreciate it it's really an homage to you is that I actually say that having kids is like buying a bidet mm. because I can, because you will, you, I can hear you talk about how wonderful your life is with the same enthusiasm about your children and about your bidet. That's exactly right. So, and look, there's a fire in the house or gun to head. I don't know which I would choose to save. That's what I'm saying. Yes, I, I highly recommend <laughs> the Mark Barron thing. My first thing is also watched on Netflix. Robert Downey Jr. decided he wanted to make a documentary about his father, Robert Downey Sr., a, a very famous uh, sort of avant-garde uh, film director. And during the process, his father's got Parkinson's and he declines and declines, but they're making the film together. It is, it's inspiring, it's beautiful, it's sad. Um, and the phrase at the end of it that I can't quite get out of my head, and I've been thinking a lot about it, is Downey, his father's dead at the end of it, and spoiler alert, um, <laughs> you know, and, and he, he, he's trying to talk, talk about it a little bit, and he says, well, you know, I guess you have to, is we're here, we do things, then we're gone. Mm -hmm. um, I, I highly recommend Senior. It's a really really lovely thing yeah. and 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 yeah so i recommend it since we're on the topic of watching things on netflix that have to do with family uh murdaugh murders a southern scandal <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing i've gotten like pretty quickly when the 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 murder porn you know after like serial the serial podcast kind of i feel like that kind of kicked it off um i i didn't get too into it because it felt icky. It felt oh, my sister you know, loves this shit. She loves it. A lot of people do, and I watched the doc. I watched the, not the documentary, the um, the Dahmer thing on on Netflix. Right? Was it on Netflix? Whatever it was. Yeah, on. I think it was. I, I didn't watch that actually. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay, okay this is interesting. And we, you know, I know we talked about it here. Um, so the Murdoch thing, like he, this Alec Murdoch guy, he just got two life sentences for the murder of his wife and son, youngest son. And I was getting showered and I had NPR on listening, you know, WBZ was listening to the news and they were talking about it. And I'm like, I know nothing about these murders. Just that some guy who is apparently a rich guy killed his wife and kid. That's all I know. And I was like, maybe I should look into this because there's two docu-series on it right now. One on Netflix, one on HBO. There's a podcast. It's all over the news. It's a huge national story. Maybe I should plug into the zeitgeist just a little bit. So I watched the Netflix documentary and I was like, okay, I get it. Cool. Um, yeah, this family's fucked up, dude. Like, Oh, yeah. They did some horrible shit. 
And, uh, yeah. Um, bad people. But yeah, bad just things. bad. And, and really, really sad. Like, even the stuff like, forget the son and daughter death. For, fuck that. Fuck them. They were kind of assholes, too. I'm not saying they deserve to be shot to death by their, you know, yeah, yeah. but the, just in the wake of the Murdoch family is just the, the, these poor people. It's fucking horrible, the shit that they... Um, did that they caused that they yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So. all right well since we're talking about netflix uh my second thing is a checkout have you ever read don delillo's white noise no but i i, I tried watching I highly, this uh, see i highly recommend that and, and maybe and that was one of the things i thought about this when i was watching it maybe this film white noise um noah bombach perhaps having read the source material would, would aid in the, in the viewing. Mm, okay. Because the, the book is brilliant and it's really a, it's a, it's a spectacular read. He, you can only do so much cause it's a really big book. Um, you, there's only so much you can do to adapt it to a film. Um, I think he did a really good job. I found it super entertaining, but I also recognized while I was watching it that if maybe you didn't read the book ahead of time, and I read it in college, I think, or maybe after college, but whatever, I'd read it and I really enjoyed it. Um, perhaps if you hadn't read the source material, maybe this movie would leave you a little wanting. Uh, but I loved it and I loved, the, I loved the, the way they put it together. I thought he did a great job of sort of capturing some of the ideas. I mean, I get it. There's, there's, did you watch the whole movie? No, we got to the point where, because we turned it, we're like, ooh, we, Katie loves Adam Driver. We, we like Adam Driver. John Cheadle. Uh, it's yeah. a, an absurdist comedy. We like absurdist comedies. Yeah. It's not an absurdist comedy. We got to like... No, it's, it's the, an existential where he was like, comedy. Yeah, where he was in the, the bed sheets, like pretty early yeah, on. Oh, okay. and we're like, oh, what God. the fuck is this? No, we're not well, watching there's, this. There's a, there's a <laughs> scene right in the off. film... That was why, at the moment that I went, oh, if you don't know that this is the case, maybe this isn't as entertaining. Um, there's a scene where he's trying to find uh, the drug uh, that his wife has been taking. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually recommend that you go back and watch the whole thing. Um, just because it's a, yeah. lot, it's a lot better. It's a lot better than you think it is. But there's a scene where he's trying to go into the trash compactor because his daughter's thrown it in the trash compactor, the, the remaining pills. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the reason, again, the reason she's taking the pills is because her condition that she has is that she's overwhelmingly terrified of her own death. Mm. Which he starts to get the same thing. Again, it gets into the whole toxic event and all that kind of stuff. But he's doing it. And, and, no, and while he's doing it, Bombach just does like this 360, like several times around his garage and all the bullshit that's in his garage. Mm -hmm. And it's a, you know, it's, it's sort of like a, maybe a 30 second, uh, sort of thing. Well, that's, that's a whole chapter in the book yeah. is descriptions of all of the shit in his garage. And so not knowing that I imagine it's probably less satisfying, but I recommend it um, I would first recommend reading the book, but uh, if you you know if if that's not your jam, um, I would I would watch the movie. I do think you should watch the rest of it, even if it's painful and you hate it, because there are some worthy <laughs> there are worthy thoughts in White Noise. I enjoyed it very much. 
my third thing to do this week, it's another watch, it's on Netflix, it's another stand-up comedy special, it is Chris Rock, Selective Outrage. Yep. Um, I don't think it's his best stand-up special, but that's okay, because you can only have one best, uh, but it's good. And, he's, you know, he's still making OJ jokes, but all right, fine. Um, so is SNL. So, you know, I guess OJ's never going to leave us alone. Um, but it's funny. It's smart. It's your, it's Chris Rock. Um, yeah. he, he takes down Meghan Markle quite a bit, which also like third thing to do part, part A, B, sub B, whatever. Um, the latest episode of South Park, <laughs> where they take down they, they win the, it. the they prince win and the duchess, them. these fuckers. Um, but yeah, Chris Rock does a, a great job, um, you know, killing some sacred cows. And then, then yeah, he addresses the slap. And mm -hmm. I... He slaps back, as from what I understand, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's worth the... I think he does a great job. Fuck Jada Smith. Fuck her. She's, she's an asshole. Fuck Will Smith. He's weak. And um, he beat up a guy who was smaller than him. Yeah. And, on uh, national, on, on international on international television. television. Um, yeah. Also, I, and I was thinking about this this morning, too. Like, is there a single Will Smith movie that I like? I don't know. Like, that I really like. Like, this was like, Concussion was good. Uh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> I know. I'll be up there in a second. Patience is a virtue, my son. Don, what's your what's your third thing this week? My third thing is read. Since you love the thing, it is in long reads. Uh, it's called. It's by Dan Hernandez. It's called Bad Tape. Um, and since you're really into sort of like the true crime thing. Well, I'm not um, really into it. I had like a, I know. a moment of this weakness. This is one this you week. need to read. This is an incredible story. It's really incredible. But I'm just going to read you the subheads so you'll understand. What I learned about judgment from a car thief, a bank robber, <laughs> and a mysterious VHS. Ooh. Basically, the guy gets his car robbed. His car was stolen. They found his car. And in it was this VHS tape. And the police said, don't watch it. And he had to watch the tape. And I'm telling you, this is this is a really compelling read. It's super interesting. It's a great story, and I'm jealous because I want to I want to have something this cool happen to me. Okay. And, and it's that I can write about. It's really awesome. Nice. Harry, do you want to say anything before we go? Okay. That he hasn't already said. Yeah, no kidding. That's the show. That's the show. Thanks for listening. You can listen to the Literate Apecast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com. What the fuck?